0: From LPM,
1: Louisville Public Media.
0: Support comes from Vision Zero. On foot or behind the wheel, safety is a shared responsibility. And Vision Zero Louisville believes zero roadway fatalities is the only acceptable amount. Their mission is to create safe roads by design, engineering solutions, and education. More information at visionzerolouisville.org. I'm Michelle Tyrene Johnson. Welcome to Race Unwrapped, a podcast that unwraps all the ways race affects our world, whether we're thinking about it or not. My guest this episode is Professor Regina Hamilton Townsend. She's in the English department and the African and African American Studies department at the University of Kentucky. We're talking about a word that is so potent, people know what you mean when you just say its first letter. That's right, the N-word. And warning, this is not an episode you want to listen to if you have sensitive ears listening because we use the whole word, including the cultural variations. And we also say a couple of other words you probably wouldn't ordinarily hear on the radio. Support for LPM Podcasts comes from the Eye Care Institute and Butchertown Clinical Trials, where they strive for diversity, equity, and inclusion within their staff, patients, and clinical trial participants. To learn more, visit butchertown.clinic. This is Race Unwrapped. I'm Michelle Tyreen Johnson, and my guest this episode is Professor Regina Hamilton Townsend, who's at the University of Kentucky. We will be talking very, let's say, vividly about the N-word, Okay, we don't use euphemisms, we use the whole word, several times. So this is the last exit sign warning before the podcast starts, and we get into a conversation that will be harsh to some ears.
1: My name is Regina Hamilton Townsend. I'm an assistant professor in the English department at the University of Kentucky. I'm also dually appointed in the African American and Africana Studies program, Um, and I am black or African-American. I'm not one of those people who, you know, gets really upset about the difference between those things. I understand they mean different things, Um, but I, you know, if you call me black, I'm not going to fight you. And if you call me African-American, I'm not going to fight you, right? Exactly,
0: exactly. I always Um, say I'm black because black is more of a descriptor than anything, you know, I mean, there's there's no land of black. Just like when you call somebody white, there's no land of white, so... I'm just, it's a shorthand for, you know, what you is and what you ain't. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean,
0: black is white, be, you know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And not all black people are from Africa. I mean, you know, that's the exactly. whole thing. It's, it's But, you know, you try having those conversations with people. So what we're about exactly. to talk about for a little bit is, you know, whenever you start talking about language and race, I I mean, Regina, how many times do we have to hear and see... White people argue for the right to say the word nigger, "nigga," whichever, however however they want to end that word.
1: It's forever. They will be doing that forever. Why? What do you think Um, that's about? I think that's about power. I think that is, you know, we live in a nation where whiteness was basically a ticket to do whatever you want right? Like, um, or at least that was the belief, right? That was the deal. Like even early, early America, when you know, African-Americans were just, uh, freed from the bonds of slavery or if, um, I mean, even when there were, um, people were still enslaved and there were poor whites who were not faring much better than even the enslaved people, right? Um, their whiteness was made into a currency that allowed them, at the very least, power over African Americans. And mm-hmm. one way in which you will that power is through speech, right? And so, um, to tell a white person, particularly an American white person, that they cannot say something is so child, uh, it's so opposite, and so child. and so, mm. yeah, it's mm. so like. They, they, we don't live in a world where that's understandable. They feel that all of the space is theirs, uh-huh. all the language is theirs. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, because language is just one more system, right, that wraps around bodies and, and cre- you know, and puts in, you know, situates people in time and space. And so every system in America, you know, white people of any class feel like they should be able to wield that system in their favor. Um, and so to say, hey, you can't say that. That is just unimaginable. Right. <laughs> oh my God. It's so true.
0: I mean I just I just I, I I came into this podcast today just a little bit ticked because I dealing with an email from a, uh I won't say what he does, but let's just say a person who uh was formerly in charge of my living experience. I you know, you say land, I say lo- Lord, you know. Land, Lord, land, Lord. <laughs> and um and he, he walked he walked up to a very dubious line in how he addressed me in a conversation we were having by email and and i was saying just what you just said to my best friend cuz i'm black she's black and we were like the power folks think that they have when you are black especially if they don't know anything about you right so exactly. they they've they've already put you in a certain category just because they think they know your name I mean your race yes. and
1: that just doesn't change which is so wild i mean because like i don't like walk up to the average white person thinking I know anything about them except for maybe that they might not be able to dance as well as I am. And that is occasionally proven wrong, right? Like right? I don't walk up to the average white person thinking like I know something fundamental about mm-hmm. them specifically due to their whiteness. Yes. Um, And that I have some kind of like inherent power over them and that it is my right to use that power um and that in itself is so problematic right um but that's but that's the
0: thing that's the thing right we live in a society now where equity and equality seem to be threatening because what if i'm equal to you you view that as being superior to you because you're used to me being subordinate
1: to you I mean, but the the leveling out of power always feels like a lot to the people who have all the power. Ooh, you're to know? make me preach up here. Okay. I'm just saying, you know, same thing with money. Money is just a, like, you know, a stand up for power too. But if you like took all the billionaires and you like spread that money out, let's say you just spread it out globally, like every person in the world gets in, you know, the same amount of money, right? Ugh. Um, They would take that as an extreme and unfair and like unmitigated loss right but they have no other way to conceptualize that um, other than loss right, right. Um, because you know like equity is for people who don't have all the <laughs> who don't have all the power
0: as a black person as a black woman as an educated black woman you and i both know that all of those things make an issue make are an issue in what people think they can get away with saying it, right? Like, they're yeah. making all these... Back to your point about you don't walk up to people and make assumptions about who they are merely because they're standing there. But how often do people freely do that? Which is why I think the whole N-word is such a debate. Because it's like, why, as a white person... Are you fighting so hard to say the word nigger? Why are you fighting so hard to
1: say that? Because, you know, they still believe it's true. (sighs) I mean, that's that's the real, that's the real. You know what I mean? Like, they feel like they should be able to say it because they feel like they still have the same amount of power.
0: So that reminds me when i see when I see somebody over the years making that argument on social media my new my new response to them is that's cool. You can say the word whenever you want to, but if you can't say it in my neighborhood out loud, you don't need to say it in your neighborhood out loud.
1: That's how I feel too i my my thing is my kind of like short and fast rule is like if you have never been called one. Right. Or had anybody looking in your face like they wanted to call you one. Right. Then you should probably shouldn't be saying it. Exactly. Like that, I just think that's a hard like like if you think about any the reclamation of like any slur, mm-hmm. that's pretty much the rule, right? Like Absolutely. you know, um gays and women have reclaimed bitch. I probably say bitch about as much as I say nigga, and it's a lot.
0: It's about who you are to the person who you're saying it to right exactly so if me and you were girls and we out having and i have a feeling you and i could be girls so you know i have a feeling too i was like we need to hang out we like. <laughs> need to hang out let's do this right but if you you and i had a happy hour or something and i'm about to order my second drink and you like girl you sure you want to order this well bitch who you? look Okay, (laughs) me saying that to you is not. Same thing with the word nigger versus nigger. Nigger. Right. What's that? Boy, who are you talking to (laughs) like that? Okay, like totally different connotation because of our relationship to one
1: another. Yes, and it's all about like power relations, right? So it's like if the power relations are equal on all levels, then those, those terms don't hit the same, right? Yes. I mean, but I never say nigger with the hard ER. That's weird to me, but, you oh know, God. I know people who do.
0: <laughs> I don't know. My, that's, it's so funny because nigga, black person to black person can be, for some of us, a form of just merely infection, affection, you know, like, again, yes. a woman calling another woman who they had that relationship with you know, a form of affection. Again, because it's about relationship. Like I'm not going to say to my boss, you know, look, bitch. You know, even affectionately <laughs> because she's still exactly. my boss, right? You know. I don't ever
1: say something like that to my colleagues, my bosses, my students, like nothing. Like no, that is a no. those are personal relationship terms, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also a privilege to believe that you that you have like that you can just like break people it's like it's always like people outside the group who think they can break into the group by using those kinds of terms mm. and you can't like yeah. those terms are not the thing that get you in the group you have to be in the group to even deploy them like you know what i'm saying and you like, better
0: right and you better deploy it you better deploy it real carefully even if you're in that group and like the exactly and, and you also probably know that the that the, uh, you know, the set of rules is that even if I let you get away with that, which I don't personally let any white people get away with that in my world, no. but even no, me right, but even if I weren't, as soon as another white person enters the room, then you bet not. Yeah, for real, for
1: real. Okay. Uh, I'm not even friends with any white people who would want to say that. No, me either. There might be some white people who think we're friends. We are not friends (laughs) if you even cross your, you know, know, to even pretend. I'm just laughing. I'm just laughing
0: at the thought. Because, okay, so let's talk about another word. So in the conversation about the language of race, sometimes things can have a racial connotation, even if it's not directly racial. I'll give you an example and you'll know exactly what I mean. It's like, if you don't know a white woman well enough, it's a very like surface, you just met, and she goes, girl. Mm. As a black woman, what do you think about that?
1: It depends on the context, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because, you know, I'm also, like, from the South, and so, you know, white people calling 80-year-old men boy <laughs> and, you know, 65-year-old women girl is a thing that, you know, mm-hmm. part of me always, like, the alert starts going off inside, uh-huh. like, the siren. <laughs> inside my soul like oh shit we might be in the wrong type of place here like yes but like, my hack start rising i'm like oh man i don't need, i don't even got on my good shoes with the good grip i might have to fight in here like right. i'm a whole ass academic i can't call home and tell my mom i just got in trouble for fighting like you know like that's right. how i feel like but then if she's just trying to be like funny and cute then i'm just like you know it's just one of those things that gives you pause that's you it know?
0: that's it it's a pause thing and again the longer i've known you the less it, it bothers me right like right. like 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 pretty much most of my white girlfriends could say girl you know and i wouldn't blink because they got it like that with me it's just when that random white person or i'm sorry, I, let me rephrase that random white woman think that you know <laughs> she down with me like that
1: you know like well, problem right like so all these terms bitch girl nigga all these terms they they could know or denote, right a level of intimacy mm. and you know um most people like you know it, it, you can't i mean because think about think about like so there was a, a basketball game the other day and dennis schroeder who plays for the lakers um He was playing, he was, like, guarding Kyrie, Kyrie Irving. And Kyrie did something. And Dylan Schroeder was like, damn, nigga. And (laughs) Kyrie (laughs) lost. (laughs) His <laughs> aunt, like he like they had to separate and they finally had to like eject damn, him. Damn. And then the short is like, I don't even know what's happening right now, right? He's like, I'm black, he's black and the first thing that Kyrie said to him is like, You don't know me like that. Mm. Like, don't call me no nigga. You don't know me like that, mm-hmm. right? And so that's the real issue at stake here is yes. that like white people because of their location in our society and the where they're situated as always being the center. Mm they believe that they have a, a deeper intimacy with, um, you know, subjugated and marginalized groups than they do. Yes. And so the real problem is that when they start deploying these terms, you know, they get like my mama would say, they're getting too familiar.
0: Oh, yeah. You know? Oh,
1: yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. And, and for black people and even, you know, for the LGBTQ community, for black people, for women, when people who have a certain kind of power in our society start getting too familiar with you, it is like, that's a that's a life and death situation. Like, that's dangerous. It absolutely
0: right? is. You know, it's funny you should say that because I remember, like, I'm straight, and I remember when queer became co-opted by the LGBTQ community as their Yeah, they own. reclaimed it. They reclaimed yeah. it,
1: right, you know? On it, all levels, like, in, in mainstream media, yes. in the academy. Like, I took queer theory as a class. Like, yes.
0: Yeah. I I'm, ju- I'm just now being able to say queer because I'm in my—I'm 56, so I'm of the age where that—you don't call someone that. Like, that's an insult. Yeah, You know, that's an insult. Now, having said that, and I know you will feel me on this and will join me in the laughter— I don't ever see there being like a, a curriculum around nigger studies. I don't yeah. ever see there being the reclaim you know no. the 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 the, no. the 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 degree in uh, uh in, in nigger theory, <laughs> the critical yeah. critical critical nigger theory no. in the academy. No. <laughs> like yeah, like we can yeah. claim no. <laughs> we can claim it, but we can only claim it so
1: far. Well, you know, like. That's because, you know, nigga has a very complicated mm. relationship to our society. And also, American society has not yet been as honest as it needs to about like the fundamentally racist mm. like the fact that America is fundamentally racist, right? Um, in ways that, like, bring death to swaths of people.
0: I have to to interrupt you. Tim Scott said that we are not a fundamentally racist country. So, really, I think that you are just really (laughs) off base with that.
1: Well, Tim Scott said that because they paid him to, right? Like, you know, and so Twitter was having a whole conversation about, like, You know, how much would they have to pay you for you to get on TV to say that? And I was like, damn, how much would they have to pay me for that?
0: You'd have to kidnap my mama, and even then—yeah, it would have to be something
1: like that. Because I was like, okay, I was like, what about a million? I was like, mm-hmm, no, these nah. days because of the, the way the dollars are performing, you can't even live off a million.
0: No, you know, no. you can run out of it's money true. from a
1: million. And even I'm if like, you, nah. and even
0: and even if you kidnap my mama, if I talk to her and she's like, I'm good, they're not hurting me, I'd be like, mm, okay. <laughs> I know my mama's gonna like,
1: girl, it's mm-hmm. fine. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, <laughs> then I can't say <laughs> that. <laughs> You know the conversation about the n where always makes me think of my mother too because I think she's just old enough to be a boomer, and she, yeah, because she's about she turned sixty nine this year. Oh, and, she's a boomer. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and my dad is even older than that. I think he's in the generation before boomers. Mm-hmm. Like, um, but um, she was like, now, how old are you? I'm 35. I just
0: turned 35. And see, I'm the I'm the last year of Boomer. So when people say, you okay. know, you know, I mean, I'm 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 young in spirit, but there are certain topics I'm like, yeah, I'm a Boomer. My ass is Boomer. Next, you're gonna recognize.
1: <laughs> you know what? And I am like solidly Millennial. And I have just gotten to the age where like people be talking like some some issues, and I just be like, you know what? That's some young people shit, and they can they can argue all they want to. That has nothing to do with me. I'm gonna mind my my business. Right. Um. Which is a new feeling as exactly. a you know person old enough to have that kind of feeling. It gets better, so girl. Like, it gets it gets
0: <laughs> better. Trust.
1: <laughs> <laughs> my mom was adamantly against like me using the n word. Um, so that's your mother. You said and, she was against that. Yes, mm. yeah, my mother. I mean, adamantly against it. I mean, like, and I and I and the funny is, I always used it anyway, like at school and with my friends, you know, talking shit or whatever. Um, but you know, for her her generation, but see, we have a different frame of reference. Like when Martin Luther King died, she had like tanks parked on the end of her street she mm. from Nashville, Tennessee. Mm. You know, I never experienced that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And so for yeah. her, there is no like the hatred and the violence mm. and of that word. is so extreme and so unwieldy mm. that it cannot be reclaimed.
0: Yeah. see,
1: People in my generation, we, like, I understand that from her point of view, but we have always felt that we had enough power, Uh um, enough cultural capital, enough cachet, enough discursive power, right, to reclaim that word and make it something different. And I think both of us have been right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There was yeah. a way in which we bandy about that term in personal spaces and interracial spaces that does bespeak a certain level of power of reclamation. Mm-hmm. However, it still maintains those really intense, violent, mm-hmm. uh, prickly edges. Right. Um, that can still be wielded against us. And that comes you know what I mean? And so I right, totally get it. You know, I totally get it 'Cause yeah.
0: age wise I'm in between you and your mother and I tend to mm-hmm. view the word more your way, um, mm-hmm. except again, if it's in the mouth of a white person, then and then I'm sure you agree with this. Then it's we're talking a whole different conversation. But I mean, but one of my favorite one of my favorite um, excuses that that white people like to use for wanting to use the word is, "But what if I'm just singing a rap song?" I'm like, you know what, gold digger is the catchiest. Um song <laughs> one of the catchiest songs ever written, Kanye West, you know, you know, despite all of his problems, you wrote you wrote one on that I one. did write, though yes. You did write a song, <laughs> but when we get to the I ain't saying she with the broke nigga, I mean, he write, but you can't sing it.
1: <laughs> I mean, so my feeling about this is that for probably a good fifteen, sixteen years I think every rap song in existence, leaving out the spaces for the bad words. Mm. Like, <laughs> mm. like I know it's possible. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. I have literally done that where I have left out all the words I thought it might get me smacked if I said them. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like, so that excuse of like, like I used to. There used to be a time where you know how like there were Missy songs where I knew the whole, like, song, and to just leave <laughs> out the words. And especially when she started doing that, like, that fast rap, you know what yes. I mean? At one time, my cousin was like, yo, what'd you say? I was like, nope, <laughs> I left it out. You can't get me in trouble. Like, you know what I'm saying? And so to me, that just speaks of laziness, but also the fact that, like, white people really do believe that mainstream culture belongs to them. Mm, mm, and mm. mainstream music... You know, there have been multiple times when that has not really belonged to them. Uh-huh. They have been allowed to have it, but it was never theirs to begin uh-huh. with type uh-huh. of thing. Yeah. And so, you know, but that's all about, like, ownership. So, you know, we started talking about, like, you know, white people ownership, the conversation gets real reckless, right? <laughs> because, it does. It does. You know, they feel like they own things that don't belong to them, you know? So I
0: want to talk about one more thing with you real quick before we get off. What's your thought on the on the phrase cancel culture? What you what you think?
1: Uh, uh so I think it was Lavar Burton. He said he thought it was like misnamed, and he said we don't have cancel culture. What we have is like consequences culture. That's just what I and said. I, mm-hmm, I mean, uh-huh. cause this because that relates to this conversation about the N word too. Like, so people, I, and I, I agree with this too. It's like you can go ahead and say it. Like free speech. Yeah, you can say it. Now what happens to you after you say it? Well, that's you know you have to deal with the consequences of your words, right? Like, and people conflate those.
0: Yes, Nobody's they do. Nobody's
1: saying you you cannot literally say. Of course you can say it. You shouldn't, right? Right. But you can. Now what happens to you after you do? you know that's between you and the black people are in the area. <laughs> right, well and it's, right. it's so
0: true and in, and I have to correct something I said earlier when I said that my response to people is you know you can say it in my neighborhood you know say it in my neighborhood and, and then you can say it in yours well I I now live in a mostly white neighborhood now so you know I got to I got to got to up my game in how I phrase that um but
1: that was talking about the other neighborhood
0: <laughs> right exactly you, like go over to west louisville and say that okay say it say it real loud say it say it, you know say it with your chest say it with your chest okay and if you're not willing to do that then why are you trying to say it with your people especially if you're saying it anyway because i think that what happens with all these conversations about why can't white people say the n-word is I think it ends up being, back to the PowerPoint, a um, a permission thing. Like, that's why the Tim Scotts of the wor- world are are paid well, because it's like if a black person said this, then I'm allowed to say something without having consequences.
1: I mean, and so my question, so, you know, and I say, well, why can't a per- well, white person say the N-word? It's like, well, why do you want to? Yes. Like, knowing the history of that word, mm. knowing... You know, the fact that like black people we have barely been able to reclaim that word ourselves. Mm. Why do you want in on that?
0: Thank you. Thank you. Like
1: that's the question to me, not why can't why can't white people say it, but why do they continue wanting to? I don't get And I think it. that's connected to like this like virulent stream of racism that flows through American society on all levels.
0: That was Professor Regina Hamilton Townsend in the English Department, and the African and African American Studies Department at the University of Kentucky. This was our last podcast episode of the season, and I want to thank you all for supporting me, our guests, and Louisville Public Media. If you want to share your feedback about the season, or give me an idea about what you'd like to see next season, or just say hello, email me at raceunwrapped at org, Or you can follow me on Twitter. My handle there is diva of diversity, all in word. I'm Michelle Tyreen Johnson. Thanks for listening to Race Unwrapped. Race Unwrapped is produced by Michelle Tyreen Johnson. Our executive producer is Laura Ellis. Audio assistance from Eric Matthews. And music by Allison Cross. For more information, to contact us or to support Race Unwrapped, visit wfpl.org raceunwrapped. From LPM, Louisville Public Media.